This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. We've got a kind of a fun show today. We'll be breaking down high level what's going on at fall camp. And then also we've got a small little mailbag, not too big, won't be as crazy as last month, last week, or month, depending on time-wise. But before I get into those things, I want to do two things. One, I want to give a major shout out to everyone who gave just such warm responses to both the interview we did with the defensive end commit Josh Harrison, as well as the large mailbag we did. Like I said, with mailbag, I try to do them every few weeks. We'll continue to do that during football season and basketball season. The commit stuff, I will make sure that we'll get a hold of as many commits as I can over the next few weeks and really let you guys and gals and they thems and whoever learn about the new faces of Wake Forest coming in. So before, and one more thing, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of promo. I'm never really an ad reader here, so this is not right off the script, but two exciting things are happening in the next couple of days over at 24-7 Sports. Today, well, tomorrow, depending if I'm growing us on Monday, it's going up on Tuesday. So tomorrow, August 1st, we will be having a free VIP day, whether you're a VIP member or not. Every article on the site will, that is VIP or not will be up for you to read. You're able to go in, read them, have your own grand time there. I love it because it starts letting people who are maybe new or you know trying to check back in after doing whatever they want to do in the summer besides worry about sports, kind of get immersed, see what the kind of see what the value is, and go from there. And then if you're not a VIP member, third Wednesday and Thursday, 24-7 sports will be running their biggest deal, I think, ever. 75% off an annual subscription to whatever team site. So Ding Ding Digest for Wake Forest fans. 75% off of an annual subscription. It will only be live for those two days. What do you get out of that? Recruiting for both football, basketball, and baseball. Notes notes pretty much whenever we get them. Inside scoops on the team, and whether it's someone, whether it's personnel, whether it's what we're hearing just in terms of, you know, Efton, Efton Reed, for example, whenever that, whenever the insiders decide to stop, stop dragging their feet, we'll know that'll be on the board. Also, from a writing perspective, I know that Celeste Johns right now is doing day-by-day practice reports. He's on site at the campus. He'll be there every single day of fall camp. I am personally doing stuff in terms of like the primers for each one of the positions for Wake Forest. You can read through those. I'm also still going to be doing our film rooms, both pre, but pre the game. And also I'll be starting to be doing them after the game, just to kind of break down and see what guys are seeing. And, you know, a little more of other stuff. There's a lot. I love what we have over here at Demon Ding Digest and 24 seven sports. Love for you guys to join us. So both now that we're past the promos and everything, I am contractually obligated to do. 
jumping on over to fall camp. I am going to try to keep this as relatively short as humanly possible. I'm going to call this little hurry up action. We've got 22 positions on the field. I'm going to give myself 22 minutes to talk about all of them. We're about what 3.30 in. Let's take it off. We're starting with the quarterback, Mitch Griffiths. Mitch is someone that I was very, very impressed with at ACC kickoff. Everyone I talked to that even wasn't with Wake Forest was just so impressed on how he handled himself, how he just had this aura of, you know, everyone's grateful to be in there. But you can when you tell that he's just so happy to be a power five starting quarterback, he's been waiting for this opportunity so long. It's really easy to see. And I'm really, really proud to I'm proud to see what he's going to do. I'm very I'm excited. He's going to be someone that is going to have his own little flavor to the offense. It's not going to be what we've seen out of Jamie or Sam or even Walford from Nixon. I think he's going to actually have his own sort of identity of being this equal opportunist. And I'm really excited to see him. Running back, Justice Ellison, name brand here. He is Mr. Steady Eddie. He can do it in all three facets, blocking, running the football in the passing game. Question of the spring is going to be, can Damon Claiborne block? He suffered an injury towards the end of the spring, was pretty, is, is fine now, completely practicing, full green. If he can consistently block this, he's going to add a different element to this team. I think they have three running backs. I think Will Towns will be number three. Take Carney is right there for number four. And I think Drew Pickett could even sub in for a couple plays here and there and be fine. I want to see more out of this running group. You know, it's hard sometimes to see if it's on the running back, if it's on the offensive line. The running game needs to be better. And I'm really excited to see how they handle the year after having only nine runs of more than 20 more of more than 20 yards. That is something. Well, I think Wake will never have a truly transcendent running game. That just can't happen. That's bad. Wide receiver. We got three of them, so I can talk to them a little bit longer. Let's start with the X receiver, your outside guy, your number one. That's going to be Jamal Banks. Jamal Banks is someone that I know Dave Clawson said no one was talking about him. I don't know who he was reading. No offense, Dave. We love you over here. But Jamal Banks has been being groomed to be to be a guy, and he's going to be the guy on the outside this year. Behind him is a guy like is Horatio Fields, who I keep imploring people over and over and over. Do not forget about Horatio Fields. This guy is going to sit here and be what Jamal Banks was last year, in my opinion. He's going to come in, he's going to high point the ball, he's going to make these crazy catches, and we're like, where the hell has this guy been? He's good. Horatio's good. In the middle of the slot, the terrible two-headed duo of Taylor Moran and Keyshawn Williams. I don't know what more you can say about those guys. Like, I, Yes, everyone has things to improve on, but... The, I don't think there's a better slot duo in the country than those two people. Like it, it is what they are able to do, and they're able, they're willing to kick Taylor Marin out to to a Z outside receiver and be just fine. They like those two are, are studs. So even if one of them gets injured, knock on wood, that's glass. I'm knock on wood. I think they'll be. I think they'll be good. The other side, Donovan Green, who. 
I mentioned in the wide receiver primers, needs to make the easy catches. Makes all the hard catches, make the easy one. Made a, made a really hard catch in, in camp. And we're like, hey, that's great. Need you to hit the slant route. But I think there's a, there's a lot riding on Donovan Green this year. I think he's going to be up to the task. Wesley Grimes, I think between him and between new wide receiver Walker Merrill, there's been a little bit of a fight there of you know who's going to be the guy behind him. I think this is a fair, this is a this is a team that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven playable receivers. And I don't mean that. And in the past, we've always kind of wondered, like, you know, do they actually have seven guys here? Like, no, I think there there are seven guys that they're going to be happy at the end of camp. There are going to be seven guys that these that this team is happy running out there at any point in the game. That is tremendous. That is what a testament to what Kevin Higgins did. And also Ari Confessor, like, like excuse me, Audi, Coach Audi Confessor. He is someone that stepped in and granted, yes, he didn't recruit Micah, recruit Horatio, didn't recruit Wesley Grimes, didn't recruit Walker Merrill, but he has gotten those guys across the spring gotten them and gotten them better. That's not just, that's not Kevin Higgins. Like Kevin has brought him in, but from here on out, the people getting better and better, that's, that's on Audi. That, that's on coach confessor. He's got a, and he's so far so good. We'll see what happens when he gets, when he gets the spring, but so far so good. Kicking it over to the tight ends. A little bit of a interesting sort of group here. They, it feels like they've really not fallen out of favor, but I do think with the uptick and how good the wide receivers are, and also just a weird, weird fun fact, A.T. Perry got 60 more targets than the second-leading receiver last year. So there's just 60 targets out there that just haven't been going to anyone else but the number one receiver. And that's let them really kind of fall back to the wayside. And I don't think they're worse than necessarily that much worse than what Cam Sarnier or Jack Frudendahl were doing. I think it's just been – who's been throwing the quarter who's throwing the football and just certain tendencies are different than others. And I think with Mitch, that tendency will be to spread it about spread it around a little bit more. And guys like Cam Hyde and Gavis Ellis are a bit more athletic targets too. They're not they're less on the on the blocking side, more on the receiver side, converted receivers. And I think Cam Hyde was a guy that was like really athletic and he was someone that out of high school they were like he could play Strong safety, come back and come to the box and play a little linebacker. So he's got the athletic in them. He's a good, he's a good pass catcher, but we'll see how his blocking is going to be this year. Across the offensive line, who I get five positions here. That's gonna be, that's a cool five minutes. Spencer Claps going to be your left tackle. Your left guard is going to be Mike Jurgens. Your center is going to be one Mr. Luke Pettibone, and your right tackle is going to be Devontae Gordon. Notice how I skipped over right guard. Right guard is going to be a Battle right now between Matt Goldman and Nick Sharp, two sort of youngerish guys, but they've been here for this. I think this is year number three for them, and they really impressed last fall camp against an interior defensive line that we found out last year was pretty good, and they were holding their own against those guys. So I'm really intrigued to see what those guys do. It's gonna probably spill over to Elon if I had to guess, just because I think Elon's good enough that you could test some some new rotations out, but they're also bad enough that you don't need to sit there and spend the entire game for it. So I'm intrigued there. Luke Pettibone, also the new face in town. This guy, I have talked to so many people, and this, and they're, uh, they're with Wake people, not Wake people, high school coaches, college coaches that aren't with Wake. 
they love Luke Pettibum. He's not someone that's going to have the NFL measurables. I think that cut him down a bit in terms of his ranking, but he's someone that is just going to fight for every single play. He's going to fight. He is mental <laughs> and in a good way. So I'm excited there. I think Michael Jerkins moving over to guard is going to help him a lot. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. And I think not having the weight of the world being his center is going to help him just use his legs a bit more. He's really, he's really powerful and cut down a little bit on some concussions as well. But I, he's going to be someone that I think is really going to benefit from moving the guard. And I think it'll be a positive change for him. The tackles, I love Devontae Gordon. I think he's an NFL quality tackle, whether it's, you know, kind of reserve or, you know, I think that the measurables are there. I think he's going to, he'd be fine testing wise, needs some more tape, but I, I really like him. Clap gives me a little bit of pause just in terms of speed rushers, but if he gets his hands on you, you're not going anywhere. That's been the big thing with him is he is so strong. You know, just, you just worry about how the knees are going to hold up. So not worried. I know I feel like the, the, the tone shifted a bit between wide receivers and not to fly. I'm not so much worried. It's more of that's probably not probably that's the hardest position to evaluate to me. I think when playing full on football, the offensive line is just one of the ones that it's, it's hard, especially when you're done with a bunch of guys. At, and that's at every school that aren't NFL measurables. It's such a awkward and hard place to, to figure out how good it's going to be. I'm always on team experience is is great, but you know, maybe, mo- maybe moving on from people that have been injured and that's cross court with an injured, just didn't want to be there. And that's a that wide receiver at corner running back quarterback everywhere. You know, sometimes not returning starts isn't the worst thing. So these guys have been in the program for a bit. Excited what they have to bring. Turning it over to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive end. I love them. Shane Davis is going to be an all-ACC guy. Kendron Wayman is going is he started breaking out. I think he's going to fully break out. I love what Kendron Wayman has to do at the Deacon. Fits and skill set very well. I really enjoyed the fact that they moved Jalen Hudson down from linebacker to defensive end. One, it showed us how much depth they felt like they had at the defensive at linebacker. And secondly, I think Jalen Hudson's always been someone that's been a pretty raw person. He's throughout his entire high school career, even into college. He's been athletic. He's been kind of all around things, high energy guy, just you know, putting it all together. I think taking him away from a position like Mike linebacker where he has to be just the absolute brain to the defense and putting him in a position like Deacon, where he still has to think a little bit, but a lot of times now he's worrying about just, can I out-athlete this unathletic right tackle? I think that bodes a little bit better for him. B.J. Williams is another is a guy that I think next year, especially because I don't think this, I think it's Sheen's last year, I think B.J. Williams absolutely dominates. I think he's going to be someone that we're going to see kind of have some sparks here and there. 2024, that kid's going to be nasty. He's highly athletic, a convert, tight end, out of high school. He played both ways in South Carolina. He's put on, I think he's about 250 right now, 6'4", 250. Kid's a hoss. Love him. I think, you know, maybe you'll see some guys like Harrington Lee and Tyler Walton in some blood games, but I think there's a rotation of four. Maybe a guy, maybe Eli Hall, depending on him. They need some, they need a more DT, but I think he can help at a defensive end. But I like, I like where they're at in terms of this. You know, it's a couple injuries there, bad, but a couple injuries 
anywhere are bad. Like if, if two if two running backs went down today, I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> so that's just kind of where we are. Let's tackle one of the two places everyone loves spending time on. We all know about Mr. Kevin Pointer, stud. Nick Helbig is going to be good. He's going to crush in the weight room. He's, he's always going to crush the weight room, but he's going to need some time to get active. Don't, don't be surprised if you sit here and see him for the first week or so, not on first or second teams. Same, same honestly with Bryce Gannis. I will put both of them in that, in that loop. Do not be surprised if in the first week, week and a half, those guys spend a majority on their team, uh, or the team on the third or second string. Gannis missed basically the entire spring, an injury. Nick Helbig did not get here until July, well, June. These guys need reps to learn the playbook. You got a month to do it, start them out. You do not want to put them in the first team and then everything else is screwed to hell. Put them on the third string, put them on the second string, let the string, let them go, let them grow. Yes, they've played a lot of football. They've got to adapt to a new playbook. Let them beat up on the kiddies at first. And then about a week and a half, two weeks into camp, and you're really starting to ramp things up and you're putting a lot more padded practices in. Then you put them up in there and say, Hey, let's do it. So don't be alarmed if you don't see them there. And a little bit after this, I'm, I'm going to save some time and just talk about, hey, here's how to kind of read a practice report. I think they need something out of one of Isaiah Cheney, Wyatt Crespi, and Justin Williams. They need they need one of those guys. I think they I think they have Pointer. Helbig's good. I think they'll I think Gaines will be there too. They need at least they need at least one of those guys to get them something. Cheney, I've heard he's a freak. He just can't stay healthy. Can he stay healthy? Wyatt Crespi was a little bit banged up throughout some of the spring, but they've been really encouraged about him for a while, especially for being a walk-on. Go get your money, big man. <laughs> Justin Williams, I don't know at this point. I don't know. Maybe you throw in, maybe you throw in a, a freshman there, but and we'll talk about this when there's a question about that, that kind of gets around this. You got at this point, it's 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 people gotta be better. It's not so much adding bodies, people just have to be better. And I think they have three. It's I need a fourth and a fifth. Linebacker, my mood just instantly improved. This group is, think about in 2021, when we had like three linebackers that we were like, okay, if one of these guys gets hurt, then we're screwed. It's not where we're at right now. We have guys, Chase Jones has had a, had a tremendous spring. Jacob Roberts came in from being over overweight and out of shape to being a starter. Draco is back from his injury. Glad to hear Eldrick's back. Dylan Hazen's back from his injury as well and looks good. Quincy Bryant had a spring. Oh, they are so high on him. I am too. But I think they've got five guys right now that they're like across two positions. That's great. Five guys across two positions is great, especially when you're like, okay, cool. Now we can have an Adrian, an Adrian Hall. Can you get better? Tommy Baby, can you get better? Trey Bowl, can you give us anything for a year or two? If you can get to six or seven, I think you'll be, I think you'll be running high. But I think with five right now, they feel, even if they want to do some mixing and matching here, I think with five and they can get a six, I think one of Tommy or Aiden or even Bowl gets them the six. Please, you can even bring out a safety, to be quite honest. You got a lot of safety. 
quarterback. <laughs> number two of what's going on here. Cam Carson's number one, Sean Jones is number two. Set in stone. Heard a lot of people really encouraged with Deshaun. I was very encouraged with what I saw with him towards the end of last season, especially in the bowl game. Really, really intrigued there. I've heard he had a tremendous um, offseason, just a tremendous uh, summer. So, cool. They think they're, they think they have something with Demarcus Rankin. They got out of Notre Dame College. Shamari Glasker, they think they have something with them. So, I, I think they believe they have four. That is better than you had last year. Because <laughs> last year you had, and I'm, and I'll, Nickel will be a different subject, but last year they had Kalen, Gavin Holmes, JJ Roberts, Isaiah Wingfield, Jamal Martin. Kalen goes down to four. Jamal Martin has a club on his hand. I can't practice for a while. That's three. Both Gavin and JJ kind of get banked up. So you're playing with about basically two corners most of last season. No. And, you know, sometimes you can't help injuries. And I'm very much team, look, like if three to four of your guys go down in any position, like I said earlier, that's a bad thing. You cannot plan for that. Like you just physically cannot. They've already lost a guy in Samari Stevenson who would have been their CB5, maybe CB6. I'm not trying to undersell or oversell that. I had someone that I'm like, hey, like you could have, you were helping on special teams. I think you can find a younger guy, like obviously Devon Patterson, who we'll get to in a second, or maybe a young guy like Antonio Robinson, Trayvon West. And then you can figure that out. You know, I think you need to figure out who's your CB5 right now. Is it Antonio Robinson, who's my pick right now to be your CB5? He's back from a pretty bad injury that kept him out of all, all spring. He'll be, he's a full go this, this fall. Is it an is it an Andre Hodge? Is it fall? Is it summer and only Trayvon West? You know, I think you need five. If you can get me to five, I'm good. I you know, like there's not so much of a wake problem, more of a if you can get me to five corners at any point in any at any level of football, let me know. Like that's that's hard. But I think they're at four. Do we get the fifth? That's the inducing safety embarrassment of riches. Jalen Garns, AJ Williams, who I heard the light came on for. Heard he's been a leader. Lights come on, excuse me. Brendan Harris played extremely well since after, after his injury. Malik Mustafa, more I can say. Evan Slocum, who's also playing nickel. They love what he's what he's doing. Nick Anderson, great. Devon Patterson is going to help this team, not just on special teams. He is good. He is going to get snaps. He is good. That safety pipeline is just going to be good. Rashawn Tung, my hot take for someone that's going to burn a shirt. I think it end up, might, might end up being on special teams, but he's about 6'1", long, got some good speed to him. If you think he can help you out a corner, kind of cross-train him there. Last and certainly not least, we've got specialists. Matthew Dennis is your kicker. You, um, Ivan Mora is your punter. And you've got a little bit of a position battle with long snappers. It is going to be either Jacob Zur, who was a All-American guy at long snapper, but he lost his spot last year after you know some errant let's call it spacement. There were just there were just some bad snaps from him, and he lost his he lost his spot. Does he get it back? If he doesn't. 
and you have to like so that that's like the that's like the problem right now is I love Jacob Zerb, but you can't waste two scholarships on him and Will Cobb, who's the guy who lost the scholarship to. What kind of happens there if Jacob doesn't keep a spot, you know? So that's hard. I think it'll be fine. One question I have. So this the five questions I have. I do have five questions about this, and we're at the 22 mark minute mark, I believe, or pulling up right at it. Question one. Does Mitch Griffiths continue to just throw 70% of his balls for completions? If he does, great. If it drops down, I'm not worried. It's just a matter of how far it drops down. Two, who wins the right guard position? I think that's going to be utterly important of determining how the season goes is if they're sure of how they can block and hell. They, they can even have six starters. Great. We love it. They need, to, they need to shore that up. They weren't good at running the ball last year. Got to be better. Third, who's the cream of the crop of the fifth tackles? Like I said, you got someone's got to got to be that fourth and fifth. Someone has to be there. So eh. fourth, I kind of joke around and, and say, "Hey, are you gonna guys gonna throw around like a three three five? How multiple are you going to be this year? I don't think that's something we'll be able to clean out from spring because we're not allowed to rec- uh, to comment on actual formations. But I'm curious going into the season how how multiple they're going to be." Last, you know, what's what's going to go on with, with Vion Mora? You know, Mora's, I think, is going to end up being the kickoff specialist again. And remember, in the Gator Bowl at the end of 2021, New Year's Eve, he had a gruesome injury that knocked him out essentially until fall camp. A lot of times we were doing, like, projections. We're like, oh, yeah, like he's coming back from injury. We kind of already assumed they're going to come back stronger and better than ever. But when you miss pretty much all of spring and all of summer and that's at any position you're not getting stronger you're getting back to where you were and so i'm curious of how much you know that over the next over this past eight months how has his leg improved i think that's gonna be a big thing for them they covered kickoffs very very well they just kicked it like 10 yards shorter than they have ever you know Hopefully there's been an improvement with Morris leg now that he's helped. he's had an entire offseason get healthy. I think the same thing about Donovan Green. I think the same thing about pretty much anyone that's spent an entire year not healthy. You know, what's what's going on here? That's my little no huddle on fall camp from the hires end of this. So I mentioned I was going to talk through how to read a practice report. So if you're a VIP member, Les Sean's is doing practice reports every single day. For fall camp at DemonDeaconDigest.com. Wow, that sounds weird as an ad. But, you know, he, come, he comes to this and I, Les does a great job. There are a couple things that I want to make sure to point out, just like I did with, you know, don't be surprised if I see some guys earlier on. First, if, you know, you're, you're competing against each other. You never really want to see something too slanted one way. And I'm being very careful about this because it, it's hard because you're, you're playing against each other. You never want to see make Mitch Griffiths have three straight inter, like practices with an interception. Like, I know we want to see the defense get interceptions. I don't want to see that. I want to, I want to see Mitch Griffiths just, just slinging the ball. On the defensive side of things, yes, I want to see turnovers, but I'm more so looking to see, are you, are, are there any passes broken up? And are you letting people behind you? I don't really care so much if someone gets loose once or twice and just kind of keeps going. If it's a consistent thing, if someone's getting behind you, bad. 
so that's where I'm like, okay, like let's, I, I know sometimes there's, I, I can remember last year when people started being like, well, you know, Wake's not getting to the quarterback, didn't get enough sacks. And then it turned out they had one of their best pressure rates underneath Clawson. They were, they were a pretty decent sack team. Like, so that wasn't an issue. It was like offensive line held up a pass protection. So that really wasn't an issue. So I'm always like this, take things with a grain of salt, whether you don't hear about them a lot or hear about them well, too much. You know, it's, it's weird. But also, if you hear about them too much, gets my second point. Where are these things happening? If you're, say, Wesley Grimes, actually, I'll take a, a, a younger guy. I'll take, I'll take Ian Versteeg, just a, just a random, a random way for us walk on wide receiver. If he's out here just consistently getting touchdown and touchdown and touchdown, does that mean anything bad about the defense or the corners? No, because he's probably on the third team or even 14. Like he's, he is down on the total pole right now. So yes, at that point, it's just, do you just get a jump on someone? Everyone's running the wrong routes. Everyone's c- coverage busting. That's why I don't really take that much out of the spring game when like the second, the third string people are playing against each other. Because at that, at that point, it's just people are just aren't doing the right thing. And it's, I'm bigger and faster than you. It's, it reverts to high school football in, in a sense. So that's why I don't really pay too much attention to that. But if, you know, if it's someone's like, hey, for like the third time this, this, this practice, Donovan Green's found himself behind everyone on the defense. Great for Donovan. That's a brutal red flag. Same sort of thing of, you know, every single time Wake tried to run the ball this, this offseason, this, this week, they couldn't, the first team, Just Selzin, couldn't get anywhere. Devon's paper couldn't get anywhere. That's a red flag. That that is a red flag. If it's a week straight of like this is happening, big old red flag. Week straight of the first team, and even I don't even say even second team. It's really the first stringers. That's what I care about. And there's also different periods. Like if it's seven v seven or skeleton, I pretty much assume the offense is going to win that. Skeleton is basically everyone's going at 80 percent speed. You're worried about hey. Is is everyone getting into their zone? Is the quarterback using his using his feet and his eyes right? Is he making the correct read that it isn't a super hard throw? You're you're trying. It's not a walkthrough, but you're trying to just say, hey, we're it's 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 a skeleton. This is the bare bones of we're trying to get everyone aligned and just getting everyone in the right place. When you're not going full speed, I don't expect defense to win those most of the time. Seven v seven, even the more of the same. You don't see a lot of defense seven v seven games when it's high scores that gets heightened when you're at the college level because it's just like, oh yeah, cool. Quarterback has has no pressure, can just do whatever they want and just loft it up. At that point, I expect that to be, I expect the favor of the offense. That's always going to favor them. So when we, especially right now where we're not in pads, we're just in some helmets, some shorts. I take some little things away and go, okay, cool. This person's name popped up this time. I'll make sure to file that away for later and just keep it on moving. Wake me up when we get the pads. So now before we jump into mailbag, let's hear a few words from our sponsors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Mail time. This is the point where if I had royalties, I would get the mail um, mail time song from Blue's Clues. But hey, one day. So not too long. I won't answer a whole lot of these. I'm trying to keep it under an hour. Even with the constant success of football, why do you think Wake has had trouble breaking through recruits in North Carolina constantly? So this kind of stems back to what Dave Cawthon's philosophy is in terms of recruiting state. Dave Cawthon is someone that knows where Wake is and no matter, and I, I don't think he, I don't think he thinks there's a cap on Wake Forest. I don't think any coach does. If you, if a coach does, they should be fired, but it's about knowing where to efficiently spend your time. I talk about the right of first refusal a lot on this podcast. And if you're new, every first, every podcast, is someone's first podcast, the right of first refusal is essentially certain schools can come into certain areas and immediately offer. And that gets gone in the state of North Carolina, if, or I'll just say that the Eastern seaboard, basically anything on the East coast, if you're touching water, and you are a high academics student that is really good at football, Notre Dame, Stanford, Michigan. Those are your three guys. I know Stanford hasn't exactly been great at football the last couple of years. That does not matter. Stanford's academics are so good, it has eliminated three to four years of being just dog crap at football. And also, they had a lot of good success underneath Arbonne and Shaw. So it's not like they can't do it. They had about a decade run of being really good. Those are your three schools that you got to answer to if you were trying to pull someone out of there. That's when Wesley Grimes was was coming out of North Carolina. Michigan got on him. I mean, Oregon got there too, but Michigan got on him. Notre Dame got on him. They fought him. Still got him. The Wake still got him. That's not the case of every single person, though. Like, not everyone's going to be Wesley Grimes. And when you now take the, you now take it and look at it from, not academic standpoint. First, you got to check, make sure they check out grade wise. They got to check out everything, like just work ethic wise. All that has to go into account. Okay, great. And let's also say they have to be okay with being in a small school. There are so many kids that I've talked to that have loved how pretty the campus is, told me how great the, 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 uh, the facilities are, love the coaches, but they're like, I just don't like the fact that it's a small school. They just don't do it, which is fair, not for everybody. So cool. Now your pool is however small it is, and you have to deal with out of state, Georgia, Clemson, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma's coming in. I think it, I think it's I think uh LSU will come in from time to time. You have all these like just big schools coming in, and that's before you get to UNC, who is still like the name program of the state. Doesn't help that we've lost in the last three years. But that's like you're you're fighting such an uphill battle with these kids that you don't really have to do that if they're in your own state. And I, I say this with very nice things. I think the guys that they get from North Carolina are good. They're, it's not exactly like you're dealing with Georgia or dealing with Florida with some of these prospects. Like 
these aren't kids you have to just break the bank for, just rewrite your whole program about. Like they're equally as talented kids elsewhere. And so if, if you're awake or a similar school, you have to go, okay, let's, how much of this do we squeeze out of, squeeze the juice out of? And how much of it is like, you know what? We get our guys like this year. They've got Jeremiah Melvin, who's a top 20 kid in state, high three-star wide receiver. Great pull. They've got a guy in Sam Neely, solid six-foot corner, got some power five offers that aren't reported. He's good. Um, you know, they, they, they've got two of these guys, a third guy in Josh Harrison, who made listen to the podcast last week. Notre Dame was trying to get him to come camp and possibly, and given what they're doing at defensive end, I could have seen an offer go out this way. They get their guys, and those guys usually have offers from talented programs. It's just they're going to get from, and this is from Boston Old Mouth, they're going to get four to five guys. Like that's probably at most of they'll get in general, but they have to just by how narrow their pool is of people they can pull. They have to go to Georgia. They have to go to Florida. They have to go to Virginia. They have to go to New Hampshire. They have to go to all Massachusetts. They have to go to all these different states because their pool was just so small. And I don't think they'll ever be like the premier recruiting program in the state of North Carolina. I don't think they necessarily need to be. They need to recruit better, but I don't know if that necessarily can come through just the state of North Carolina. You can, they've gotten some, just looking at this one, they've got a high three-star linebacker out of Georgia, high three-star offensive tackle while he'll be playing interior, including Richard, out of Georgia, and they're fighting off Forest State and Mississippi State for him. Hecklinski, if he was an inch taller, the kid would be a kid would be high four-star, but out of Georgia. Luke Buccinelli out of Virginia. Brent Grice, a monstrous wide receiver pickup out of Georgia. Avon, Avon uh, Connecticut for Jack Hines, an offensive tackle. Whitman Whaley, linebacker out of, out of Tennessee. They're, they have to do this, and I think that's, classes like that are going to be what Wake Forest needs to take that step. But I just don't think – there's never going to be a class where Wake Forest has like – 10, 11, 12 in-state kids, unless they're sucking. I think I think if Wake Forest is, if they sit there and say, we're just going to put a, an emphasis on this, they might end up with a bunch of guys like that that just are slipping through the cracks for a reason. So what's next in the mailbag? What do you think the next facility at Wake that'll be either renovated or created? I honestly don't know. They've put, I don't know what's left. I genuinely don't know what's, what's left. Was left. Uh, name the school that went after three of our players tampering offers. Okay, look, here's the thing. Tampering. I understand people wanting to know names, and this isn't me saying that I know them and I'm not sharing them and I, as a ha ha ha, whatever. Short sucked up and gets said to me off the record. They said to every turn off the record. And the thing is, I have with tampering, and this is not just a wake thing, this is with every school, whether it comes out that Talia Tagavalola gets tampered with, they're always their players, is we have named people have named the schools tampering, and it's a very easy correlation to see how someone's tampered with. You think you think Alabama got a new quarterback from Notre Dame just out of the blue, given who their new offensive coordinator is? You think that that just didn't connect like at all? You think Caleb Williams just went to USC for his health after Lincoln Riley left? I mean, tampering is out there plain and simple. There have been examples sent to the NCAA and they're not going to do anything about it. The court of public opinion isn't going to 
that isn't doing anything either because these kids know tampering's happen. Their parents know tampering's happen. Coaches know tampering's happening. Everyone is like everyone knows that's that it's going on, and there's you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're not like if if you're just going to sit there and act like it's just not going to happen or there's a way to stop it. But which is kind of a, a cynical thing to say. But I think that's why you hear Dave Clawson kind of just say like saying it and, and not saying names or anything. It's because there's no benefit to it. Like there just there just is no benefit in sitting here and saying, yeah, I'm going to pick a team that, you know, isn't great. Indiana's tampering. Like what, what is like what does that do? Or Alabama's tampering. Oh, no way. I'm stunned to hear. I'm stunned. Absolutely stunned. Georgia's tampering. I'm, I'm, ooh. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to, it doesn't change anything. And so that's kind of the hard part of, like, regardless of, because I know, I know when A.T. Perry last year, I know it came out that he, there were, there were schools that came up to him, and those schools never publicly came out. I'm, and honestly, fine. If the, if the kid doesn't want them out, I'm not going to put them out there. That's just kind of how it is. That's how, I've, that's how I've talked to co- coaches about that too. If the kid doesn't want those names out there, then they, then I won't put it out there. That's not, I'm not going to do that. So if whenever the kids want the names to come out there in schools, you'll see a lot more schools' names thrown out there. What happened to Jacquez Keys and what will be done with the space vacated by the football team? Uh, so I'm putting two of these things in one category. So Jacquez Keys, if you Jacquez Keys, if you didn't see the reports that he essentially quit the football team, he left the left the program. He is no longer playing college football right now. He's in the portal. This wasn't a decision where someone got kicked off. It wasn't disciplinary. It wasn't academics. He just thought he just felt like it was too much for him to handle, and which is another thing with the whole recruiting like pool thing you gotta that, that has to happen that has to like get worked out i don't think anything happens with that scholarship because i don't a they don't have room b at the, there's you, you can you do not add someone from the portal at this point unless they were a bona fide stud you cannot add another body at tackle that is not good because they already have enough of unsureness right now what is adding another body just to have a body do? Nothing. You just have someone there that's eating a scholarship that you might not be able to get off your, off your roster if he doesn't work out. Same thing with corner. You wouldn't. It, and here's the thing: like at at DT, I could have maybe seen it because you got seven. You had seven guys for two positions. At corner, you have nine. Before Zamari Stevenson got injured, you had nine people for two positions. At a certain point, adding bodies doesn't do anything for you. It's just malpractice at that point. If you have, if you're, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing Slocum in there because, you know, so I'll, I'll say nine across three positions. You're like, no, like, I, like, no. Like, like at 10, 10 people for, for three positions is absolute malpractice. Wake has nine linebackers right now. And, I'm like, why? And yes, you need you want depth, but at a certain point, only so many people are getting snaps. And in the age of the portal and the age of just tampering, you having 10 plus people for a position you're gonna play three people three at best at, it's not gonna work for you. It's not gonna work well for you at all. 
someone's going to leave. Someone's just not going to develop. Like I said, because once you get past the spring, development of anything past the second string, unless you're just ramping someone up really quick because they were injured or something like that, it's not, not going to work. Like you get basically, you get maybe a week to get some people up to speed, but like that, they're like, okay, we're pushing you. But if you're not in that, if you're not in that too deep or like pushing that too deep, you're not, you're not getting reps. If you're someone that's going to be a scout team player, you're going to be a scout team player. Like that's just who you are at that point going to the season. They don't have time to give reps to everyone at this point. We're getting into game mode. So you having a 10th person there doesn't do anything. It just possibly takes away snaps. And you're, now you're like, now I'm stuck with more bad people. So it's tough. But, and at this point in the portal, you're not getting someone good. Like you're just not. So that scholarship we pocketed for next year. One less person to figure out numbers wise makes my life a little bit easier. With staff instead of running a 3 4, uh, given the interior D line depth concerns, they will never run 3 4. I'll, I'll bet my life on that one. And they'll never run 3 4. They'll run, if, if anything, I can see them running a 3 3 5 from time to time. They did it from time to time last year with pretty good success. They have a lot of linebacker depth, they have some pretty good ends. They like their secondary depth. You know, corners, low question, but secondary as a whole, they can roll out a bunch of safeties. So I can see a 3 3 5. I kind of joke about it. But no, three, four, if you run three, four in the ACC, you're going to get cooked. Wisconsin was getting cooked until, yeah, Wisconsin was getting cooked. So it's Mike and May's play this year. Special teams. I think he ends up being special teams, but I think he doesn't burn his red shirt unless he just absolutely shows out. He's, I wanted to make me very clear on him. He is super raw. Like he, he was rated highly because he's, his athletic profile is off the charts, not so much because he's a polished receiver. So he's got, he's got a year or two. Easy. Let the, let the kids grow. Who has more who has more reception this year? Cam Hyde or Walker Merrill? I think that is going to be snap call Cam Hyde. I think that that 60 or so discrepancy I said that AT had over the second ring receiver, I think that will benefit the tight end a little more. I think Mitch is someone that's going to use the middle of the field pretty often. I think just him breaking the pocket as much as he's as he's going to do, just because I think he likes using his legs. Not so much about the offensive line. It's going to really help him here. Any news on Wake Football recruiting? Uh, yeah, this one makes me always feel weird because I feel like I was done with recruiting pretty early this year. But, I mean, like like I mentioned with the when Jaquez Keys left, they don't have room. Like, like, they just physically don't have room. They have 18 people committed right now, and they have eight people coming off, off the board. So, yeah, that, so somehow those numbers are going to have to add up. And so I think we're there really has a tent right now in terms of adding people to the roster or adding like freshmen. And even, and even if someone like, for example, I'm not saying he will, but for example, if a guy like Kendron Wayman leaves for the NFL, I don't know. I'm just throwing out an example here. This is not a throwing out an example because I'm hearing something that's like throwing an example for the sake of this of this conversation. If he leaves, you're not sitting here replacing him with a freshman. Like you're not, it's the same way of like Damari Monsanto. If Damari goes out there and goes to the NBA after this year, you're not replacing Damari with, with, with a, with a rising, with a rising freshman, you're replacing Damari from the portal. So I can see them adding. If they do happen to add, I can see them adding running back. I can see them adding some sort of a defensive back. 
they put out they put out a offer last week to a guy that profiles as a safety, but I think might end up growing into a linebacker. They've been kind of like, hey, if a fourth linebacker that's really good wants to jump jump in, we'd be pretty we'd be pretty fine with that. And I think that means more of you know Chase Jones is gone, Jacob Robert is gone. I could see Bowl and Ransom leaving after this year, and now that obviously Chikas Keys is off the team, I could see them adding a fourth linebacker. They still they still be pretty good next year, but I think though I think uh, more a guy that's more of a safety is probably something that I could see them doing. But I I put the over under them adding another high schooler at point five right now until we learn more about this this roster. So. See what put up. I see what put up points this season. What concerns we have defensive line? Where are we with our interior D line coming in fall camp? You see any bright spots there? I think the D. Well, well, I don't know if the concern should be the D line. The D ends are going to be nasty. It's the interior. Like I said, pointer is going to be good. Like Helbig, like Gannis. I think you need one more. I think people are going to be really excited. Really, if Helbig continues on the path that he's supposed to be on, I think people will be very, very excited about him. I know it's only for one year, but I think people will be excited about him. Will Antonio Robinson have an impact in defense next year? I hope so. I think so, but I I hope so. They they need him. They need they need a fifth corner, and I think he he's the guy for it. Talked about one Harry Lodge. Are all the candidates for T playing time somewhat well rounded, or are certain guys stronger, weaker in certain areas, blocking hands, etc.? Cam Height, Gavin Ellis, more of your athletic receiving tight ends. They're guys that you could be like, oh, you're you're a wide receiver that just got kind of got a little too big. Harry Lodge is your traditional tight end of, oh, this guy's massive, but just not big enough to be an offensive lineman. Cool. So he's, he's, he's a little raw, but he's got, but he's got, we saw in the spring game a little bit. He's got some hands to him and a little bit of speed. Just got to play more football. That's pretty much it. A lot of, a lot of this is they need to just play football. Picking over the basketball really quickly. What have you seen or heard of basketball practice slash any updates to how people are looking? Yeah, man. Um, Sal's is good. What do you want to say there? Like, that kid's good. That kid, I, they haven't seen a guy like that in ever. Like, well, not ever. For Ever for the people that have come from TSU. It's been a while since we've seen one like this from Wade. Sal's in the good. Obviously, you hope Reed's getting the, got the waiver, but Marsh is hands, hands up. Marsh has been good. I've heard Marsh has been good. I've heard he from when I originally released the podcast a few weeks ago. Marsh is Marsh has seen the light. Praise he's seen the light. Uh, he's had a really good sport. He's had a really good summer. They've they've enjoyed what they like about Marsh. Cam obviously good. The dentist, as my friends call Mr. Andrew Carr, great. I think Abramo has been good. Like a like a booby. I mean, it's also summer. Like you're not going to hear anyone be like, "Oh, this guy's bad." Like no, and I don't think there's anyone like where Lucas Taylor and Rob where you're like, man, you're so far behind. I think we need to redshirt you. I think Aaron Clark has surprised some people. Well, not surprised in the sense of, oh, no, he's good. I think how far ahead he's been. They would have signed him if they didn't think he was good, but like him. I think the really interesting thing is going to be, and I've said this before, but I'm going to add another name to it. Salas, Cam, Booby. One of them has to, one of them has to sit. They're all going to get probably 30 plus minutes. One of them has to sit. And I think it's going to be really intriguing to see who is sitting and what comes from there. I don't think it makes Tuka an odd man out. I think it, I think Atuka has been doing, I've heard he has done a lot better since the night, but I think guys like Salas and Cam and Boopy are just on a 
different level. And by different level, I mean make some noise level. And so we're going to see, we're going to see. Obviously, Parker, the greatest. I, you know, that's what I love about the message boards. I'm not even going to get on someone. I, th- I thought it was hilarious. Parker Friedrichsen, aka soon to be the best big force uh, three point shooter of all time. I've heard he's been heard he's been good. I heard he's been heard he's been very good. I think it's going to be a little hard to take him off the court, but I mean he's still a freshman. We got a long way to go. So I think I think if I had to revise that, I'll give you ten. Salas, just just uh, just ten people, and I'm like you can play. Salas. Cam, Boopy, Dramo, Carr, Reed, Parker, Marsh, Keller, and I think Marion. I don't think Clark because I think there's just too, too much in front of him. Atuka is like, I think, right there. I think if if they didn't have Boopy, he'd be off. I have to put him there, but we're going to see. <laughs> So I don't know who the who the top five starting five is. It's, it's July thirty first, man. I don't know. Steve doesn't even know. We have ideas, but Steve doesn't know. So, all right, last two questions because there's there's also a question about the recruiting calendar, and I do want to take that to a different podcast where I can spend a little more time on that versus like speed through it. So, last two questions. I want to power rank each of these current football programs: Oregon State, Maryland, Wake, Texas Tech, Illinois. Five, Maryland took took the check to go to the Big Ten. Your ceiling's your ceiling is eight wins. Like your ceiling is eight wins right now. No. Like you have all these people coming back, and I think you win eight games. Mm. Four, Illinois. Like what they did. They did catch lightning the bottle a little bit. You know, they do lose Walters. They do lose some people on, on that defensive secondary, but Burt doesn't go down swing. Burt's gonna go down swinging. And I think they're in a better position and in a better division to actually make to actually do something. So three, I'd put Texas Tech. I really like what they're doing recruiting wise. The thing is, I don't necessarily know if they have what it takes to break through that glass ceiling right yet at quarterback. I, I think there there's been a little bit of animosity between people that cover them, well, people that cover the Big Twelve, and you know what the product they're putting out. I really don't know if they good at, at quarterback and I really want them to be, but I just don't think they're there yet. They're going to be a fun team. If they win, I was looking at their schedule a couple days ago, actually for win totals. And I mean, if they win, if they win eight games. You shouldn't be surprised at all. That should be a good, should be a solid program. I put Wake at number two because I was talking to people I used to kick off last week. And I said to them, if Wake sat here and won, like not eight to nine games, would you be shocked? And at first, someone, someone who covers the sport very well was like, yeah, I'd be shocked. But I was like, all right, let's pick up the schedule, pick it up. And I was like, show me your sure losses. And he gave me Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame. So, all right, cool. Now give me your sure wins. He gave me Elon, Vandy, Old Dominion, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. So I was like, all right, cool. You're six and three. You're telling me at NC State at home, that's been a house of horrors for NC State. Duke, who people think are going to regress, and Pitt, they can't come out with two of those wins. And he was like, "Yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong." And I was like, "Well, what if I also gave you the fact that you know, what? Did you, how do you feel about Dave Clawson versus Mike Verbell?" And he was like, "Well, you know, 
Dave has had his number. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So, like, again, if this team wins eight to nine games, you should not be shocked. And he was like, yeah, you're you're not wrong. Like, I think that jumbleness of three to nine in the ACC is is there. But Wake's at a point where they can – I think the Cup for Three podcast put it together the other day. They were like, yeah, we thought Wake was was – just had a terrible season last year and they won eight games and it's like that's just what wake is like yes the bowl game counts but yeah they won eight they won eight games like that's just kind of who they are they're gonna they're even in a down year we're gonna find out hey cool move move on to eight nine wins congrats i think never won oregon state because not not just because but i think they have a good chance at winning the pac-12 this year like a phenomenal chance they don't get usc they get all of Utah, UCLA, and uh, Washington at home, and then don't play Oregon until the Apple Cup, which is always a mess. They but they they get San, San Jose State, UC Davis, San Diego State, Washington State. Who's gonna be scrappy? But I think they're better than that. Uh, Cal, Zona, Colorado, Stanford. Like this team could sit here and be an eight win team out of just those alone. And you tell me they get three out of the four hardest games at home and miss USC. Yeah, this team could be playing in the this team could be playing in the Pac-12 championship game and I think have a realistic chance of winning the Pac-12. Like, you know, quarterbacks, they're gonna, you know, is it DJ? Is it is it not? If it's not him, that's okay. They're a scrappy team. They them and Utah are the bar fight teams. I think you I I I section the Pac-12 into different sort of ideas. I think your Oregon and your Washington and your UCLA and your um, and your USC or you're all like your, you know, glitz and glamour. We're going to throw for 600 yards and just, you know, this is what football is about. Just high scoring offenses. Utah and Oregon State are bar fights. You're going to go in Corvallis. You're going to go to Utah and you're going to sit here and you're going to get your, your skull dragged through the mud. You might survive, but you're not going to be happy about it in the slightest. So I think this is the year that, that, not that they go all in, but this is the year like, hey, like if it's going to happen in Corvallis, it's going to happen this year. So I, I'm really, I like where Oregon State is. I don't know about long term, but because the Pac-12, and that's the next part of this. But I, they, they are in a, if they win ten games this year, you, you heard it here. <laughs> this is that team is going to be good, barring injury. All right, so. Last question. Just kind of reluctant, but here it is. Cam, what are your thoughts on this crazy conference realignment stuff? Is FSU really going to bolt? Where do you see the ACC in five years? Also, thoughts on where Wake stands and all this crazy realignment, and if they and if they will be left out hanging dry. So, I'm. This is going to be kind of more of a somber thing for me, just because this is a serious thing. People are yes, realignment is crazy, funny, haha, but I mean, it's a serious thing. I hate realignment. I am always of the opinion that you know, rivalries are regional based. I don't really care about the TV matchups. I, I personally don't. I never have. Like USC going to play Wisconsin doesn't move the needle for me. Like I don't. I don't care. Like not just because I live on the East Coast, but like I, I just physically don't care about that. I don't think you need to be a sicko and sit here and join me and watching some action during the week. But like it, people, I, I care about the fact that Wake's not playing NC State for the first time in like, like over 150 years or so. 
Like I care about that. Like I think having rivalries and having stuff intact where you're not having to sit here and go cross country and especially for the electric sports, they're getting the worst out of all of this. Having to sit here and charter a flight after a 7 p.m. soccer game, drive two hours from Champaign to O'Hare and then fly across the country, like that's gonna suck. I want I want to sit here and have you know rivalries of people that are within driving distance, or at the very least, like a quick flight. I think it sucks, and I think it's led by I don't blame guys, I don't blame the ADs or I don't blame the presidents. The presidents are also the one with the power, by the way. It's if you take nothing away from me. Presidents are the ones calling the shots. It's not John Curry, Susan Wente. John Curry obviously has a voice in the room and he's talking to Jim Phillips and everyone. But these decisions are at the presidential level. So they are the ones calling the shots. When people wanted to, when people were canceling their seasons, it was the presidents, not the athletic directors. The 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 athletic the, excuse me, the athletic directors, and especially, especially your commissioners. The commissioners are the mouth puppets of the presidents. So anytime you hear stuff like that, it's under the direction of the presidents. Is FSU going to pull? I don't know. I don't know. I, I get back to the big thing of, and I this was the talk when I was at AC kickoff as well. Who's going who's gonna to pay for it? Unless you legitimately have a reason that you think you can break the grant of rights, which is the document, if you don't know, which is the document that holds the ACC together through 2032, I believe, 2032, 2033, for the next 10 years. <laughs> no, excuse me, 2036, actually. Through, through that, you're not, you, if you leave the conference without, you know, the end of the contract happening, or you somehow legally saying, hey, we can get out of it, and this is now null and void, every single game, you do not own the rights to your own stuff, which means every dime that, you, that you're supposed to make off out of broadcasting your home games and even your away games, that no longer goes to UFSU or Clemson or Miami, UNC, goes to the ACC, and they just get to distribute that around with one less mouth to feed. So that's something that is that you do not leave for 10, 12 years without your rights. So, you know, if they do leave, they would need their rights. I have seen stuff from wannabe lawyers, actual lawyers, et cetera, on this is how the, the FSU or Clemson breaks the grant of rights. And I go, and, and I've seen also people call the grant of rights for at least the, the document that we've been able to see simplistic and call it idiotic lawyers are lawyers for a reason <laughs> that was made intentionally simplistic so people wouldn't break it <laughs> like like from talking to lawyers and even the lawyers that are trying to get out of it are on the same thing of yeah like it was it's it's basically ironclad because it's like two pages so <laughs> it, it it's something that if fsu has figured it out cool great whatever I have two questions. Why has no one figured it out before? Why are you sitting here making a big spectacle about this unless you're bluffing? And maybe they're not bluffing. Maybe they're just trying to get all their they're all 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 the ducks in a row. But then I go, okay, cool. 
who's footing the bill? Because, you know, Divorce State has some very wealthy donors. That's great. ESPN, the people that are over the grant of rights, they are not letting you out of that contract that they are paying you or UNC or Clemson or Miami or any one of those schools to go to the SEC just so they can pay you more money there. That's like me saying, hey, I have this lovely couch right here. Actually, no, I have this water bottle. It's more useful for me. It's about $20. I could spend another $30 and buy something that's $50. That that doesn't work. I already spent $20 on this. It's already a sunk cost. I'm not going to spend $50 for something else that I already have that works that works just fine for me. And be and like why like why would I do that? And now just take it from 20 to 50 to millions, tens, and hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not going to take a product that they do not need on, and I don't mean that they don't need FSU at all. They don't need FSU in the SEC. If they had the money for more marquee games in the SEC, the SEC would have moved to nine games. The big reason why they did not move to nine games wasn't what you heard about. Oh, we're keeping together rivalries. We're trying to make sure the best things are equitable. No, it's because ESPN wouldn't pay up the money because they're broke. <laughs> like ESPN is there. Disney is trying to sell ESPN. That is something I do not understand that. So like, they're not, they're not going to sit here and make money by paying more money to get someone out of it. So your question has to be, is Fox sitting here trying to foot the bill for them for a couple of years or you know help them with legal fees, all the stuff to get them to the Big Ten? And I go, I mean, maybe, but unless they think they can break the grant of rights, which it all kind of comes back to, there is no way in hell ESPN is about to sit here and say, yeah, you know what, even if you can't break the grant of rights, we don't want to feel like dealing with this headache like we did with Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, we just kind of made some sort of deals that we can expedite them out out of the uh, the Big 12 and move to the SEC. Yeah, no, they moved from one they moved from one place where, you know, Texas and Oklahoma were kind of split on their revenue between, you know, it was coming from some of them coming from Fox and it was coming from ESPN. So, sure, it's kind of a no brainer for ESPN, but you know what? Instead of getting half of you, we're going to get all of you. Doing that with a Florida State or a UNC or whatever makes no sense. Like, it just makes no financial sense right now, especially for them hemorrhaging money. So that's where I go, we'll see. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily on the path of ESPN needs the ACC, but like, you got something in the crazy deal. You're not going to sit here and try to blow it up to spend more money. If they had more money to spend, Pac-12 wouldn't be where they're at, which is why I also, I, I'm i not in the business of reporting rumors or anything. Like have I heard rumors of the ACC expanding? Yes, I, I have heard rumors. I've heard, I'm sure the names are out there. Washington, Oregon, Cal, Stanford. I've also heard SMU and West Virginia. That's not just from Pat Thamel uh, or anyone else. Personally, I've heard, I've heard, you know, especially, you know, your, your, your Pac-12 schools coming over. The question there, though, is 
again, money wise, I don't know. Like it doesn't make sense. Like I, I was, I was crunching the numbers with one of my friends earlier in the day. And, you know, if you add what a hundred thousand dollars to the grant, like this, this contract, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. Like, like it doesn't help anybody else. Like it would have to be a substantial ad from ESPN in order to, in order to really make a dip. Like right now, I believe the ACC got, I think it was $617 million in their payouts from, uh, well, that schools got schools and total that $617 million. I think it weight ranged between about $36 million and $40-something million. Yeah, so it was nearly six hundred per the AP, nearly $670 million for the 2021 season, average distribution of $39.5 million for schools. If you add $100,000 to that, people's, and you account for Notre Dame share, you're adding like $6 million per school. That's not enough money to justify that. And is the ACE, is, is ESPN really going to give the ACC an extra, you know, and that's the thing, like, you, it's not only just adding money for the current schools to, you know, have more. It's a, you need to bring the people on from the Pac-12 and make sure they have an equitable rate. And then you have to count, okay, I'm not counting for 14 plus Notre Dame. I'm counting for 18 plus Notre Dame. So that means I need to be in close to, what, eight, $900 million pushing a billion at that point. Is the ESPN going to do that? Is he going to do that? Probably not at this point in stage, not until they get their financials in order. So that's why you keep seeing the things of, yeah, this, you know, the ACC is looking at this and it's not, and it, that hasn't happened. They've been running these models for since before Oklahoma and Texas went to the, to the SEC. They just, they, there's no, there's no money right now. Like Notre Dame is the only white whale, but even then, I don't know if it's enough. So, all that to say, it sucks. I think the ACC is in a weird predicament. We will see on if someone leaves, but we we will see. Where Wake lands, I don't know. I've always been a proponent of, you know, I think whenever this breaks away, it ends up being 64 teams because you need someone perceived as can fodder. Not that I perceive Wake as can fodder, but I think other schools do. But if you limit it to 16 to 32, Try telling South Carolina or Michigan State or Ole Miss that they're winning three games a year. They're not going to be happy. They're just not. Why do you think these conferences has, have Vandy? Why do you think they have Mississippi State? Why do you think they have these lower-tier Indiana? Why do you think they have these lower-tier programs? Because eventually, yes, it's regional, but at a certain point, it's like the more teams that are in it, the better chance I have winning, whether it's me making it at six games, seven games, seven wins, et cetera. Like, if you the the more you contract, the more you start getting those schools that think really highly of themselves start turning into punching bags. So, and I don't know, I I don't know, and I I don't like being fatalistic or anything like that. I think it sucks because if say it does break off into sixteen or thirty two teams, I think that's a lot of jobs lost because. 
what's really the incentive for, you know, an ESPN to have a guy like David Hale? What's the incentive for the athletic to have people covering the ACC, you know, beat writers. I mean, even from a school, even from a school's perspective, like if we aren't playing at the highest level and we're just going to lose our recruits every single year, what's the, like you, you have, you have to take a long look in the mirror to be like, Hey, like, is this, is this worth it? I mean, that's stuff people had to do. Shout to Zone Duo, debt letters. That's stuff people had to do back after World War II. And, you know, when that realignment period, you think about teams like Tulane, had to have to have a long look in the mirror and say, are we going to keep doing this? And that's something I fear when it comes to this is like, a, you know, what, what schools take a long look in the mirror about that. But I think we're years away from that. And I still am on the, the train of that. It's like a 64, 68 league team. I mean, team league. I think wake is wake makes it there, but. I think we're reaching an inflection point of how much do the suits want and how much do, does the can fan bases take? Because I've, I I feel like I've been very noticeably push, pushing back on like NIL and tampering and transportal stuff like that. Cause that's something the grand scheme of things has always been happening. So I, I don't really transport is newer, but like the other two have really been happening. So I don't care about that. Realignment has always been happening, but realignment hasn't been a thing for contracting it's, it's been it's been an expansion part of it but it's something that i'm like if there's a difference between expansion and a breakaway and i think that's going to be a really interesting point when so after the so when the playoff expands to 2024 it expands to 12 um 12 teams and there are six auto bids, I believe. That's great. And I think we're going to have the situation where we have some wacky teams, honestly, in that 12. You know, maybe there's an upset here and there. I think well, someone out of top four ends up winning it, but we're going to have that be used and be like, yeah, the college football is in the best state ever. And it might end up being tried to break away four or five years later. And it's like, it's in the best shape ever because college football is built on the belief that there are about eight, there are about the, I'll, I'll say 20 for any number. There are about 20 teams that can, that can year in and year out have, they spend enough, recruit well enough and have the players to win the national title. The other 120, 112 teams or so have the illusion they can. But that illusion makes you like, is what the sport is about is the belief that, Hey, my team can have that one year. That's what makes college sports and college football so special so the fact of like trying to rip that away if you're a tv except because you just want to consistently put mashups in for you know usc texas or bama ohio state like cool that's great but like that's like that 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 takes away from what the actual sport is and so that's why that that's why that's weird to me because i i think about it and I know what the EPL has only been around for 31 years or so, but that's, I mean, maybe it has some sort of relegation. I don't know. That would be kind of fun, but I, I wonder how much of a backlash there is of schools that get left out. You know, if it's, if it's 16, a lot of backlash, it's 32, some, you know, what, 
there is going to be an inflection point of how much the suits want to just put money up just to see certain matchups and how much the fan fan base can actually take. And I think that's going to be an interesting, an interesting conundrum to figure out. This went way longer than I thought this was going to, but thank you all guys for your questions. As always, five stars are, are appreciative. Always share it with your friends. And as always, go to East.